How can we be certain that the Bible is the Word of God? For the answer to that question, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have two staff members on the set with me today, and uh, one is, of course, the co-host of this program, and that's Nathan Jones. All of you who are regular viewers are very familiar with Nathan because he serves as an associate evangelist, and he also serves as our web minister. Now, the other person who's on the set with us today you may not be so familiar with. He serves also as a part-time associate evangelist, and this is Tim Moore. For those of you who are not familiar with Tim, he is a retired Air Force Colonel. He currently serves as a pilot and pilot instructor for UPS, and he is in his 12th year as a member of the Kentucky State Legislature, where he is one of the leaders of the Conservative Coalition in the House of Representatives. In his spare time, Tim goes out on weekends and speaks at churches and conferences in behalf of this ministry. Well, welcome, fellas, to Lamb and Lion Ministries. Thank you. And Tim, welcome to God's country down here in Texas. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here regardless of <laughs> okay. being in Texas. Well, folks, uh, today's program is the first in a series where the three of us are going to focus on responding to the most frequently asked questions that we receive, and we are going to break them up into categories. In this program, we're going to consider the integrity of the Bible. In programs to follow, we'll consider questions about Bible prophecy in general, and then specific topics like the rapture, uh, the signs of the times, the tribulation, and the millennium. Okay, guys, uh, let's uh, get started. And the first question, one that we receive more and more, is how do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? How do we know about the integrity of the Bible? And one of the reasons I think we're getting this question so often is because the closer we get to the coming of Jesus, the more intensely Satan is trying to disprove everything in the Bible. I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about, of what's happening in the popular realm. In January of 2015, Newsweek magazine published a cover story on the Bible. And the subtitle of the uh, of the cover story was, So Misunderstood It's a Sin. And he started out by attacking people who believe in the Bible. Look at this. They wave their Bibles at passers-by. They scream their condemnation of homosexuals. They fall on their knees worshiping at the base of granite monuments to the Ten Commandments while demanding prayer in school. They appeal to God to save America from their political opponents, mostly Democrats. They gather in football stadiums by the thousands to pray for the country's salvation. They are God's frauds. They're cafeteria Christians who pick and choose which Bible verses they heed with less care than they exercise in selecting side orders for lunch. They are joined by religious nationalizers, fundamentalists who, unable to find scripture supporting their biases and beliefs, twist phrases and modify translations to prove they're honoring the Bible's words. No television preacher has ever read the Bible. Neither has any evangelical politician, that's you. Neither has the Pope. Neither have I, and neither have you. 
At best we've all read a bad translation, a translation of translations of hand copied copies of copies of copies of copies of copies, and own and own a hundred times. He goes on for twelve single spaced twi- typewritten pages attacking the Bible viciously as I've never seen it attacked before. This is in Newsweek magazine. And then he ends after thirteen pages of this he ends by saying, now this examination should not be taken as an attack on the Bible or on Christianity. I'm trying to save the Bible. And then he ends with this statement, the Bible is a very human book. It is full of flaws, contradictions, and theological disagreements. At most seminaries in America today, the majority, they are teaching the students that this book is man's search for God, and therefore it's full of myth, legend, and superstition. It is not God's revelation to man. What do you got to say? Wow. Well, uh, that obviously was a fair and balanced assessment (laughs) of both the Bible and those of us who believe in it. Haters got to hate, right? Yeah, haters got to hate. Where do you begin? Obviously, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. It is the revealed... What does that word inerrant mean? Inerrant means that it was delivered through a variety of different authors, but without error. And so, any misunderstanding is on our part, but the Word of God as revealed in Scripture is not with error. And incidentally, that's very different from the Quran, because the Quran has many, many contradictions in it, and they recognize that as such, and they yes. say any later revelation overrules a previous revelation. We don't exactly have that in the right. Bible. No, we do not. And so, a lot of folks, and it sounds like that author as well, would accuse us of having blind faith yeah. in the Bible. And really, our faith is based on our ability to trust and yet verify. And there are many verifications of the Word of God being valid and true. Uh, we can look at the various promises. That's one of the things about prophecy. It is a demonstration that what God says will happen has happened and will continue to happen, and it is a validation of the Word of God itself. I'm, I'm just aghast at someone being so close-minded as to why those of us who believe in Scripture believe wholeheartedly. Well, that, that guy has no understanding of the Bible because there is no. nothing like the Bible. The Bible is not just one book. It's 66 books written by f- over 40 authors over 1,500 years. And throughout the book, from beginning to end, there's a unifying theme of God bringing man back to reconciliation exactly with Him. Exactly right. It's throughout. And you can't have all these different authors and all these different people writing a book and have it cohesive over that amount of time. That's why I love uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, which says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely, thoroughly equipped for every good work. There Amen. is nothing like the Bible. You can't, the Hindu Vedras, as you said, the Islamic Quran, uh, the Buddhist writings, whatever, they don't have the inspiration of God in them. Well, and I'll just contrast, obviously, being the web minister, your, your word is available on an uh, electronic device. I still go back to the hard copy being a little old school. Oh, I got but plenty of those too. I know you yeah. do too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love the fact that Peter, writing in 1 Peter chapter 1, yeah. and actually referencing Isaiah, says that since you have an obedience to the truth purified in your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. And he Mm -hmm. quotes Isaiah to say, For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower or grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. 
and we have to trust in but that. But how do we know it's the Word of God? Now, you alluded to something, but you just passed over it very okay, quickly. Let's go back. Uh, let's talk about prophecy. Yes, that's why, where we're going to focus. Why can we point to prophecy as absolute evidence this is the Word of God? Well, I'll give you an example of a, a book I'm sure we've all read and many of our viewers are familiar with, and that's Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ. He sought out, much like the writer of that article, as a journalist to disprove the deity of Christ and really to undermine the claims of Scripture. And what he found as he began to investigate is that all of the evidence pointed to the validity of the case for Christ. That all of the prophecies made that Jesus would be born in a little town called Bethlehem, and specifically Bethlehem that was close to Jerusalem, that he would be born of a virgin, of a young woman who had not been married or known a man, and all of the other evidence was borne out in the life of Christ. It was inconceivable that that could have been just happenstance. And so this man who began as a skeptic became a fervent mm -hmm. believer based on fulfilled prophecy in the life of Christ. It's documented just, elsewhere. That's just Jesus Christ. 300 general prophecies, yes. 109 specific prophecies about Jesus Christ. We talk about Peter Stoner all the time. He was a mathematician. Yes. He said, don't just take the 109, just let's do eight. And he calculated the chances of eight being fulfilled in the life of one man is one in 10 to the 17th power. I mean, Bible, the Bible is whether it's in paper or electronic, yes. is the only book that has fulfilled prophecy. And that's just about the Messiah. There's thousands of other prophecies concerning uh, the return of Jesus Christ, uh, Jerusalem, the, the Millennial Kingdom, and even in our day and age, the signs of the times, which we speak about frequently, are all being fulfilled. No other book in, yeah. out there, religious book, has fulfilled Bible What about prophecy. his argument about copies of copies of copies of copies of copies and therefore it's full of all kinds of typos and so forth? Nobody on. doubts that Homer <laughs> wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey. But the Iliad and the Odyssey are the only ancient books that have the most copies. Matter of fact, if you look at the Iliad, 643 copies, but they are written, the closest we can get is 500 years after Homer. The Iliad, 1500 years is the closest copy. Now, the Bible, 120 AD, only 30, 40 years after John finished Revelation. There's 2,400 copies of the New Testament dating from the first and second century. Uh, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, this is where this guy really got yeah. it wrong because the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were written about 200, 100 BC, we can look at the Dead Sea Scrolls today, which are like Isaiah and all the other books of the Bible except for two, and we can see that the versions we have today are direct translations of the Hebrew from that time That's period. Right. It, it, uh, if anybody knows how those scribes worked, they exactly. were so careful that they counted the letters all the way down and the letters all the way across and, and it had all kinds of ways of checking to make sure and that if they typos, messed it up, they threw it out, right? right? And, and to this day that up. continues. People who come with us to Israel, we go to Masada and at Masada there is a man, a scribe, who sits in a, a room there in that ancient fortress transcribing <laughs> the Scripture, the ancient Scriptures, and he is so painstaking that if he makes an error, just like Nathan said, yeah. he reverently destroys the errant copy. Because so they're dealing with what they consider to be the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Yes, right. And that is the, the tradition that was so painstaking that they prevented any kind of error from being introduced and carried through into future copies. Tim, I like that you brought up Masada because Masada is one giant archaeological excavation. And that's another argument for Bible prophecy. You can read through the Bible, Old yes. Testament and New. And every time you go to Israel and dig up a spade of dirt, you're pulling up proofs 
that the stories that now you can read the Book of Mormon and there is no proofs for the battles yeah. he was talking about and all or that. Or the cities. Or the cities. The but greatest archaeologists to this day use the Bible as their manual for where to go start digging. And they exactly. have been able yeah. to find things based on just reading the Word of God and knowing where all these things truly occurred. Well, I'm constantly amused at archaeologists because the vast majority of archaeologists in the world are atheists and agnostics. And a lot of them um, uh, uh, focus on Bible uh, archaeology because they want to prove the Bible wrong. And every time they turn over a spade of dirt they find that the Bible is correct. It's amazing. Exactly. They can find some little piece of information on a papyrus in Egypt and they'll take it as, yeah, that's true. But they won't take the Bible as any truth whatsoever. And yet when you turn over there and you read, for example, this morning in my private readings I was reading about the number of people who came back from Babylonian captivity and even had their names. I mean, you don't find this kind of yeah. stuff in... in Super no. detailed. Yeah. I think the greatest argument is changed lives. Oh, yeah. Think of the people that Absolutely. we have known through life. I have friends who are Christians now that tell you what they were BC before Christ, <laughs> and you're like, you were that person? And they can't believe it either. The Bible changes people's lives, not in the dozens or that, that, but the millions. Like of people. the man who was the featured singer on our television Jack program, Collinsworth. Jack Collinsworth, for so many years, lived on the streets 20 years, homeless in an alcoholic days, found the Lord and was immediately delivered of alcoholism and became an evangelist. Well, yeah. we don't have to look even further than right here. Short of the Scripture and the Word of God indwelling in my life, I know that I would be an absolute reprobate. All of us would. And so I it, certainly is, would be. <laughs> it, it is living proof. We are living testimonies. Okay, well, we're going to come back after a break and we're going to talk about this question that we get all the time Is it really necessary to study the Old Testament? Oh. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our discussion concerning the Bible and questions that we received about the Bible. Well, fellas, let's jump right into it fast. Great. One question we often receive is about the Old Testament. They usually run like this. Is it really necessary to study the Old Testament? After all, wasn't it just given to the Jews and wasn't it replaced by the New Testament? Shouldn't we as Christians focus on the New Testament? Well, I think that many of us came to faith understanding the message of the Gospel. Yes. But it is built on the foundation of the Old Testament. And so many of the analogies and many of the, the beautiful illustrations are not understandable unless you understand the foundation. The Old Testament really informs a believer in Jesus Christ mm -hmm. because it is the foundation that He pointed to repeatedly. Over and over again Jesus referenced the Old Testament sure as did. did the other writers of the New Testament. Okay. I think it depends on what church background you come. If you come from a church that's, say, covenant theology, in other words, they divide all of history in two. You got the Old Testament and the New. We're in the New, therefore get rid of the Old. But if you're like me and I like dispensationalism, it's, it's eight different time periods where God reveals a little more about Himself until we're back to that Garden of Eden scenario again. Well, you don't just in a in a progressive revelation skip to this time. You have to see how did man fall to begin with? What was our state? And how did God slowly reveal Himself more and more? It also answers too, should we be following the Mosaic Law? If, if we're supposed to be following the whole Bible? Well, no, because we got the New. And we know that this age is going to end because it's going to have the Millennial Kingdom and then the Eternal State. And then we are back with the Father again, having intimate relations, so to speak, spiritually, obviously, with the Heavenly Father. We walk and talk and have fellowship with God again. So, you can't 
get rid of the other parts and fully know God's plan yeah. unless you read the Old Testament. Well, Jesus himself said he did not come to replace the law, but to fulfill the law. And so if we don't understand what the law was and what the, the prophecies pointing to him were, then that statement has no relevance. And so we have to delve into the Old Testament again to expand our awareness and our understanding of even the truths that he and the writers revealed. Well, I would be Testament. so bold as to say point blank, you cannot even understand the New Testament unless you know the Old Testament. Yeah, it, like when, it just I can't agree. understand it. How did, when Jesus said, I am the sign of Jonah, basically, yeah. well, how would you know unless you or read right Jonah? Here in Hebrews where he says uh, that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. What does that mean? High what priest. Mean? Uh, yeah, what's a high uh, priest? Uh, or Jesus, that he's the ultimate sacrifice. He's the lamb and it of talks God. talks about the sacrifice uh, in Hebrews of, of bulls and goats and so forth, not covering the the sins. Well, how do you know what that's talking about unless you know something about the Old Testament? The book of Revelation has over 350 allusions to the Old Testament and not a single one is identified. Not one time does it say as it says in Jeremiah. Right. But you go to the book of Matthew, which was written to the Jews, and every other sentence it seems like it's saying, as Jeremiah said, as Isaiah said, is what. Right. Wasn't Peter's speech at Pentecost in Acts 2 one giant reiteration of the Old it Testament? It was. Just one prophecy after another and saying Jesus fulfilled. Demonstrating the validity again of Jesus' claim as Messiah based on the fulfillment of those Old Testament prophecies. Over and over again, the Paul and other writers talked about the first Adam and Jesus being the fulfillment as the final Adam. I mean, none of these things make sense unless you understand the Old Testament. Okay, well, that brings us to another question that people ask about the Old Testament. Should we believe the book of Genesis, the first chapter about creation when the scientists have proved that the universe is hundreds of billions of years old? Oh, I, I would uh, state that they have not proven that to me by any stretch of the imagination. No, I don't have enough faith to believe in their theories. Uh, yes, absolutely. The first three chapters of Genesis really establish, again, the foundation that point to the end of the Bible because Jesus is the Creator. A theme we're going to be touching on in our upcoming edition of The Lamplighter is the same person of God who is evident throughout Scripture and who will come to reign as King of Kings. Mm -hmm. And so, if you don't believe in the very beginning of Scripture, you're probably not going to have much uh, acceptance of the end of time as revealed in Revelation. How about it? I think the answer is yes, of course. I mean, <laughs> course. it's the very foundation. It establishes the fact that we are who we are. And to get back to your other question about should we look at the Old Testament, well, doesn't Hebrews and, and Peter and all refer back to the time that the scoffers at the end time would scoff at the fact that there was a flood? They would scoff at the oh, fact yeah. there's Genesis. Well, we That's live a in a time of prophecy. fulfilled prophecy. Fulfilled. That's all we hear is evolutionists scoff at creation and scoff at the flood. The Bible knew back then that people would be scoffing about it today. They took it as fact. Well, you know, people didn't have any trouble with that until uh, the end of the 19th century, the 1800, late 1800s, early 1900s, and suddenly. Uh, uh, they uh, seemed like Christian leaders were just overwhelmed by the theories of science. The theories, not the proof, but the theories. Right. And so they came up with the gap theory. They said, well, okay, the way we can conform the Bible to what science says is that God had an original creation and, and they had this uh, pre-Adamic civilization, and they all died off, and all the animals died off, and Satan corrupted the whole thing. And then that's that's the fossil record. And then we had to start all over again. And, and we do believe that God recreated in six days. But and and you know it, it they was giving the up the Bible of, yeah. to the theories of science. No, they contort the Word of God to fit the the current popular theory, and that's all it is. Well, my, my point too is if you can't believe what God says in the very first chapter about creation, why should you believe what the Bible says about the resurrection? 
Exactly. Why should you believe what the Bible says about the second coming of Jesus? Well, here again, Jesus Himself cited the creation he and pointed did. back to those first chapters as true history, not as just some kind of myth or allegory. And in the first few chapters, the Bible explains why man is fallen, why man is corrupt and without hope save for the even grace contains of the promise in Genesis 3.15 that one day God will redeem it all. Yes, yeah. it does. I had so. a Catholic priest actually once tell me that we cannot believe the Bible as an errant because there's two renditions of the creation account in Genesis <laughs> 1 and 2. I was like, well, no, Genesis 2 just fills in more details about, the, about does, mankind. Yeah. It isn't a totally separate no. rendition. But this is what the ministers, the priests are teaching. Oh, well, let's, let's jump to a different topic here. People are always asking, why is a scary book like Revelation in the Bible? Mm. Well, <laughs> it, is it scary? It's not scary if you're a believer. No, if you're a believer, not at all. It's, it's full a of book, wonderful promises exactly for believers. Exactly right. It's a book of promise and of assurance that in the end it all works out to the glory of God and to the deliverance of those who believe in Him. Yeah. So, not a scary book if you are a believer. Uh, I think that people misunderstand when they claim that this is a revelation of John, why would John put this in there? But the very opening verse of Revelation declares that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And He determined that it was worth revealing yes. His plan and the end of time to those who have faith in Him. Well, I mean, absolutely right. And then you go just two more verses to 1-3, Revelation 1-3. It's the only book in the Bible that offers a blessing if you read it. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. For the time you is near. You read the book of Revelation, you will get a blessing. Exactly so. Well, we have one, uh, several questions here concerning uh, the Bible and I'm going to jump to one of the ones that I've got uh, at the end because I want to make sure we get it in here. One of the most commonly asked questions, what is the best version of the Bible? Which version should oh, I use? Oh, we get that a lot, yes. Uh, what do you think, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to let you go first. This is, uh, this, uh, this is you stepping out of thin ice here. It's the Hebrew and Greek, but none of us can read <laughs> Hebrew and Greek. We, I used to have a professor who sat in our Bible study and he read from a Greek Bible. He had the right Bible. Folks, uh, you know, Mike, if the King James works for you, great. If the NIV, which I used for years, works for you, I use now the New King James. Dave, I know you use the NASB, Tim. I use the NASB or the ESV, but That's I would say right. whatever Bible you will read. That's what Billy Graham always <laughs> yeah, said. If you'll Billy read it, said, whatever you will Bible be you read, read it. <laughs> exactly. Don't get caught up. I do think that there are some that are more accurate oh, to yeah. the ancient texts. But as Nathan yeah. says, very few of us can read in the original Hebrew or the Latin Vulgate or the Greek Septuagint. So, Pick one and read it, and well, then you will be hungering for more, and maybe you try a different version. I, I look forward to every new version that comes out, because even though I may not agree with it, it may be too liberal in its interpretation. I learn there things from it. I, I get insights that I haven't yes. had before. In fact, when I was growing up, the only Bible we had, I'm this old, the only Bible we had was, was the King James. And, and to me it was like reading Shakespeare. I, as a kid I just couldn't get excited about it. And when I was a freshman in college, uh, in 1956, my parents sent me a Bible for uh, Christmas, and it was the J.B. Phillips paraphrase of the New Testament. I started reading that. I could not put it down. I read it all the way through. And uh, then the, the paraphrase uh, that came out later on by Tyndall Press, uh, the Living Bible. The Living Bible. I, I loved it. Uh, paraphrases are not for serious study, not at all, but they are wonderful for helping you to better understand some things. In fact, when we had Charles Ryrie on this program who produced the Ryrie Study Bible, he highly recommended paraphrases for people 
particularly who are just starting out to read the Bible, and particularly for the Old Testament, that they get a feel of it before they get into a serious study right. with, a, with a Bible like the New King James or the King James or the New American Standard. But folks, you know, just get a Bible and read it. Exactly <laughs> so. Okay. Well, let's go to another question, and that is, what in the world is the Apocrypha, and why is it in Catholic Bibles? But not in Protestant Bibles. Well, that is a good question, and many Protestants are mystified as to these books that are included. Again, as you said, in the Catholic version, there were books that uh, were produced after the early years of the church that were found to be not as valid in their source or in their doctrine, and yep. that really became the apocrypha. There are actually apocryphal books from the Old Testament. Some of them are referenced, but I would point out that for the Apocrypha that is included in some versions of, again, Catholic Bibles, none of those books is ever referenced by any of the writers right. of right. the New Testament as we Nor have. Nor were they ever recognized as canon or Scripture by the Jews themselves. No. Yeah. And you can tell when you read the Apocrypha. I read the Apocrypha. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's six books, Tobit, Judith, Wisdom, Ecclesiasticus, like fairy tales. Baruch, yes. and First and Second Maccabees. Yes, it is. They added, Bel they added a dragon to the story of Daniel. Clearly the, the early church fathers knew that these books were not inspired by God, but they provided good history and they left, especially First and Second Maccabees, they left them in, so we get the history part. Okay, very quickly, what about the book of Ecclesiastes? I mean, come on, this, this reads like it's written by a carnal man. Uh, what's going on here? Well, I think Ecclesiastes is a demonstration to me that the Bible is faithful. How many times do we see in Scripture evidence of some of the heroes of the faith who are fallen? David himself. If True. we were writing a book and wanted to create a hero figure, we wouldn't include anything that was negative about that person no, in their no, life, no, their biography, no. but the Bible is honest. Ecclesiastes is clearly written by a person who is honest in testifying to how they thought in a wrong manner, but they come back at the end of at the book. At the end, yes. Yes, and, and we think this was Solomon that wrote it, but at the end of the book, Solomon writes this, the conclusion when all has been heard is, fear God and keep His commandments, because this applies to every person, for God will bring every act of judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. How many of us could testify over the scope of our lives, at times we were misguided yeah. in our living out of truth, but we came to a realization. I think it's a beautiful footnote to a book of honesty. Well, it certainly is. And uh, I praise God for the book because, again, it shows the fact that this man tried everything in the world to fill the vacuum in his heart, and yes, it didn't work. The God shaped vacuum. Fellas, I want to thank you for your help today in answering these questions. Next week we're going to take a look at Bible prophecy in, in particular. Well, folks, that's our program for today. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope you'll be back with us next week when we focus on these questions related to Bible prophecy. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Do you have tough questions about the Bible that you would like to have answered? We have two video programs that should prove helpful to you. One is titled Tough Questions About the Bible, and it features Dr. Reagan and Nathan Jones interviewing one of Christendom's most eloquent and knowledgeable defenders of the faith, Dr. Ron Rhodes, the founder and director of a ministry called Reasoning from the Scriptures. The video runs 75 minutes and deals with questions like, how can a God of love allow suffering in the world? How can a compassionate God send good people to hell? How can we know the Bible is the Word of God? Does it really matter what a Christian believes about creation and evolution? 
The second video program is one of the most popular we have ever produced. It is titled, The Danger of the Colts. It runs 85 minutes and features Dr. Reagan questioning Dr. Ron Carlson, a great defender of the faith who has since gone home to be with the Lord. They consider such questions as, what are the characteristics of a cult? Why are cults dangerous? How can a Christian witness to a cult member? Why are the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Masons considered to be cults? You can get both videos for a gift of only $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. To secure your copies, call the number you see on the screen or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. If you call, please do so between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Ask for offer number 856. Again, both videos can be yours for a gift of $20 or more, and that includes the cost of shipping. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.